Welcome to your Active Stack Brief podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, your technology editor. This week, we take a closer look at the GDPR enforcement with a person that played a key role in the first five years of the data protection law. For an overview on all things technology in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website youractive.com. This is your Active Stack Brief podcast. Today I'm joined by Andrea Jelinek, Chair of the European Data Protection Board. Hello, Andrea. Hi, Luca. So, Andrea, you have been Chair of the EDPB for the first five years of the GDPR, uh, the European Data Protection Rulebook. What would you say are the main results of your term? I think uh, one of the main results is that the European Data Protection Board, which was brand new European body at the 25th of May 2018, um, evolved as a player, meanwhile, on the European field, because uh, our tasks to look after the compliance regarding the GDPR, how the, how the GDPR is interpreted in all the EEA countries, uh, was filled quite well, you had, I guess, a lot of work to do since it was the the, the first years that the GDPR came to life uh, into streamlining um, the the work of uh, data protection authorities across the EU. Where do you think you did the uh, best job so far uh, into bringing this uh, sort of common understanding? I think it was really an interesting phase because, as you know. There has already been the Working Party 29, but the Working Party 29 was just an advisory body to the Commission. But it was easier for all of us to start the cooperation because we didn't start it from scratch because we already knew each other. The data protection authorities already gave guidance. We had opinions and guidelines which were endorsed on the 25th of May. And this made our life easier because we knew how how cooperation could work. And as a new body, which had started to have uh, this decisive powers, it's really important to know each other and how to cooperate on a personal level and later on also on a remotely level. And I think uh, this was uh, extremely uh, important because... Uh, if you're new on the scene, you have to establish your own rules because uh, there was nothing before like that. So we had our rules of procedures uh, for the ETPP and how we are going to act. And when we started, we planned to have about 10 meetings a year for the uh, plenary meetings a year. But now, uh, until yesterday, we had our 79th plenary meeting, which shows how the um, how the workload improved, but also how the cooperation improved because we met sometimes once a week uh, remotely or ordinarily once a month. So with the involvement of the board, also the cooperation got closer. We had, I think, about already, I think, thousands, thousand uh, expert subgroup meetings during the last five years, which means a lot of workload, but also a lot of results taking a more um, critical 
view, there have also been voices saying that uh, GDPR enforcement is going too slowly, especially on on uh, big tech companies. There are bottlenecks uh, in in certain member states that have a workload to go through, um, but that uh, it's a workload that is particularly important for the entire single market. Um, so how how do you respond to those that say? Uh, that uh, the GDPR is still to show its full potential and that more should be done. Uh, the GDPR has still to show its full potential uh, and we try to unlock it. Uh, and, uh, but I want, to, I want to start at the beginning because, um, first of all, when we started our work, it was clear it has to be uh, guidance at first guidance and opinions on legal questions. And until now, we gave about 43 guidelines and there were, I don't know how many opinions at the moment, but, uh, and six recommendations. But the point is, we moved from guidance uh, to the enforcement. And also the supervisor authority, because enforcement is still, and it is agreed by the legislator, by the national supervisor authorities. Um, also, this enforcement uh, got speed. During the last two years, I think about 1.2 billion uh, euros were uh, issued as fines by the national supervisor authorities, which is not so little. And uh, you mustn't forget that GDPR entered into application five years ago, and you have to, if you have complaints, you have to investigate very thoroughly. And there's no use if you make quick decisions which are not going to stand in front of the court. From, from a regulator perspective, um, five years, it's not uh, a lot. From a civil society perspective, perhaps that's, that's too long. So there are also different points of view there. Uh, but you, you just mentioned um, that we are moving away from guidelines toward more enforcement, and indeed we have seen a more prominent role of the EDPB, especially in terms of uh, the dispute resolution mechanism um, for cross-border cases. So do you think that in the next mandate, what we will see is more and more um, uh, of these binding decisions by the board? And, and, and less guidance, or is there still guidance that needs to be done? Because at one point you will finish all the topics, right? There, are, there is always need for guidance, it's quite clear. But the point is, um, as, you, as you mentioned the enforcement, you mustn't forget we had more than 2,000 cross-border cases uh, during the last five years. Uh, 711 are already decided, and only eight of them were decided in the dispute resolution mechanism, uh, the Article 65 decisions. That means um, more than 99% of the cross-border cases are decided without uh, tackling the Article 65. That means uh, even if there were relevant and recent objections uh, by other uh, supervisory authorities, they were ironed out and there were no uh, Article 65 procedure. In the last years, there, we had to decide on eight Article 65 files. We
we had to adopt the decisions with the very short time frame of two months, which we always, which we always uh, met. And I think uh, this is quite well done. And you mustn't forget, the decision of the ETPB is not the decision towards a controller. It's a decision towards the lead supervisor authority. And the lead supervisor authority has to implement the decision of the ETPB in its uh, final decision. So yeah, there are a few elements to unpack there. Um, I'd like to start with what you said about the, the timeline, because that of course will become more and more challenging if you have more open cases. Uh, we have seen uh, a letter uh, from the EDPS to the Commission about the budget. So, you know, what is the risk of not having enough resources to meet all of these um, all of these deadlines? I'm very grateful that the EDPS, who is providing the secretariat for the EDPP, is also uh, trying to to get together with the EDPP uh, the the resources to have more stuff. It, we have already increased our staff at the secretariat level and also the supervisor authorities at national level have increased their staff. Uh, but you know, it's, it's never enough, but I'm sure uh, that if uh, more stuff is needed to be compliant with the duties of the ETPP within the GDPR, uh, we are getting the stuff we're going to need. Moving on, uh, you have also penned a letter to the Commission uh, mentioning some aspects of national procedural law that needs to be harmonized at the EU level. There seems to be a response from the Commission, uh, which has picked up the idea. Um, so what should be the priorities in this harmonization besides you, you have presented quite a long uh, shopping list, but what are like the key points that the Commission needs to get right in this proposal and what are the potential pitfalls? Thanks for this question. I think this is really important because this wish list was one of the results of a summit we had uh, in Vienna last April. Uh, and in, at this meeting, we decided to even closer cooperate to cooperate on specific strategic cases and also to send a wish list um, to the commission to unfold the full beauty and to unlock the full beauty of the GDPR. The commission took this wish list uh, on its program for 2023 and I'm really grateful to Commissioner Reinders and his team that they took this because uh, it's really important to have some obstacles uh, ironed out regarding the differences in administrative procedure laws. And I'm sure that the proposal of the Commission will help us to cooperate even closer uh, and we will, we will have uh, the opportunity to make uh, not only decisions in due time, but to facilitate our cooperation. Besides this harmonization, do you think that once it's done and dusted, the, the overall uh, architecture of the GDPR enforcement will be completed? Uh, or do you subscribe to, to calls that we have heard about the GDPR um, having been to reopen uh, for, for discussion in the next term? 
Uh, I fully disagree with those uh, who want to reopen the GDPR because I think it works. Uh, you know, not only the enforcement uh, part is working, also the rest is working because, as you have seen during the last years, many countries uh, are issuing data protection laws which are similar to the GDPR and all the, all the companies uh, all around the world who want to make business in Europe uh, try to be GDPR compliant. So uh, there's no use to change anything uh, if everybody is trying to be compliant. That's one of the points. The second point is uh, there are already, I think, about more than 20 cases pending before the European Court of Justice, which is our highest court uh, for the European Union. And uh, then these cases are going to be decided by the European Court of Justice and there is even more clarity as it is now. So there's no use to change anything that is working uh, that, the, uh, that the court is going to decide upon and uh, what, would be, what, be the what would be the consequence? Illegis uh, vacants for maybe, or postponement for maybe 10 years. That's not uh, for the good of the data protection of the fundamental right of the European citizens to have this uh, interregnum or nothing in between. I think it's really important that we stick to the GDPR, that we listen to what the court is going to tell us, and that uh, the secretariat and the supervisory authorities are equipped with the stuff they need to fulfill their tasks they have according to the Charter of the Fundamental Rights in Europe. Uh, I wanted to move on on uh, artificial intelligence, uh, in particular uh, ChatGPT, because of course uh, we have seen the, the EDPB uh, has launched a task force uh, on the privacy challenges uh, posed by, by uh, generative AI and ChatGPT in particular. Um, so first of all, uh, what what is the purpose of this task force? What are you hoping to achieve? You know, we created this task force. It was on the 14th of April. Uh, the task force is here to exchange information and to foster cooperation. And it had already its first um, its first meeting last week, and it will have meeting I think this week or next week. And uh, as it is. An internal discussion, I can't disclose anything to you at the moment. I see, but uh, I, I guess that is something uh, you, you can discuss more openly uh, in terms of the practical difficulties that uh, DPAs are facing when regulating these sort of large language models, uh, <coughs> for instance, in terms of uh, training data, what does uh, what happens with the data of a user once uh, they provide an input? So how 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 ready are um, DPAs to enforce data protection rules into these uh, disruptive technologies? Uh, before before we are enforcing, we are always investigating, and at the level of investigation, we have to uh, not only investigate what the companies are doing, we have to cooperate uh, with maybe a complainant or we do it on own uh, ex officio on own volition that we are investigating and this takes time and I think we are ready because we have to be ready. No, I'm asking the question also because I know that some 
national uh, authorities are positioning themselves to to become the enforcers of the Artificial uh, Intelligence Act that is currently still uh, in negotiation phase. Um, talking about the CNIL in France, but there are others, of course. So how mature is that discussion into understanding uh, the, the privacy concerns that are behind this technology? And I think that the, perhaps the, the Italian DPA uh, decision on ChatGPT could provide um, some, some input for that. Uh, we were already involved in the discussion on the AI Act, uh, and we already issued a common opinion with the um, with the ETPS in mm -hmm. April 2022, I think, to be very vigilant, and uh, we were quite critical. And meanwhile, the AI Act is very prominent and is very prominent discussed because one year ago, the interest of the greater audience was not so big, but now it's for sure. It is the AI is the new elephant in the room, a specific generative AI. And I think it's really important to stay on top of the discussion and to be included in the discussion. So uh, OpenAI, the provider of ChatGPT, does not have a legal basis, a legal uh, representative in the EU. Does that a challenge since it uh, that means that you cannot trigger the uh, one-stop shop mechanism uh, and basically means that every national DPA can do its own thing so how, how do you see uh, because I don't think that was the, the, the structure that was envisaged uh, under the GDPR uh, the, the company can envisage up to 30 investigations I think it's also an interesting approach if the company uh, is facing maybe 30 investigations. I don't predict that there will be 30 investigations, but this could happen. And these national investigations uh, are on the own of the supervisory authority. But we created uh, this task force to exchange our point of views. So we have heard uh, three official candidates for uh, the next term uh, to take your post. I don't expect you to endorse any of them, but well, maybe you'll surprise me. Uh, but more than anything, I, I would like to ask you if you have any suggestion uh, for the person that will pick up your role. You're right, I don't surprise you. <laughs> You're really, really right. Um, just. One suggestion is be confident in your colleagues, cooperate with them, and you will be, you will be carried by them because they represent the Ivy League of Data Protection. Andrea Jelink is chair of the European Data Protection Board. Thank you, Andrea. It was a pleasure. That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free Tech Brief newsletter to stay on top of tech news and digital policy developments in the EU and beyond. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. This episode was produced with the technical help of Ivy Curie. I'm your Luca Bertuzzi, and thank you for listening. Okay.